Welcome to Grow Up. Insights on how businesses can use technology to grow better. Please welcome your hosts, Jason Parkinson and Mark Hammer. It's the Grow Up Podcast, and uh, my name is Jason Parkinson. And I'm Mark Hammer. And today we've got an inside perspective on Gen Z right from, like, the front lines of Gen Z. Yeah, this is we have a graduate assistant in-house today who's going to talk to us about, you know, what how did Gen Z individuals interact with technology? How do they use it in their personal lives? How do they see it? What's going to be, you know, a big thing for them moving forward? And we hope that it's going to give businesses some insight into how they may market and reach this uh, demographic. Yeah, I know that it will. But first, pardon the disruption. Christy's in with another look at a piece of technology that has disrupted an industry. Christy. Thanks, Jason. Consider your options for writing with your computer. You can use Microsoft Word or Evernote or a Google Doc. Prior to word processing, you were stuck with a typewriter. It was big, heavy, and cumbersome. The typewriter itself was technology that disrupted writing with a pen and paper. Now the typewriter looks like an ancient artifact. Word processing has made writing quicker, easier, and more flexible. It's hard to imagine typing in any other way today. Pardon the disruption. Jason? So I can remember my mom had an old typewriter, like, back in the day, and I thought it was pretty sweet when she got rid of it. Oh, really? Yeah. See, because I, I think and the typewriter could, is a cool piece of technology. Oh, I no, like it. That's, that's, no, the keys, the rah, 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 like, I want people to, I want people to hear that I'm writing from rooms away. That is so old school. Well, I'm <laughs> curious, so Megan Funky is our guest in the studio today, and Megan, do, do any of your students at Bradley even know what a typewriter is? Have they ever touched one in their lives? They certainly haven't touched one. I mean, I would hope that they know what it is, but I mean, we, we can guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's awesome. So, Megan is a graduate assistant. Mm-hmm. At Bradley, and you're 26, so you're not I far am. off from that Gen Z, that Gen Z audience. Other than I'd like to admit, but yep, yes, yeah, yep, I understand. <laughs> um, but we thought it'd be good to bring you in today, have some conversation around some of the things that you're seeing with this younger audience, because you get the opportunity to interact with them on a daily basis, and then we can kind of talk through, you know, based on some of the observations that you've had, you know, how does that apply to business today in terms right. of how do you reach this young audience with with a, a potential message? Yeah, we really hope that you know it's one thing to read a study or read an article about an, a generation, but it's another thing to actually interact with those people day in and day out. So, you know, businesses spend so much time reading articles and like, how do I reach millennials? And why are they not buying houses and buying avocado toast instead? And <laughs> it, it feels a little detached. Like you work with people that are in that age group, uh, you know, every day. And so we really want to know what's it like and how do they perceive technology? How do they use it? And, you know, what what stands out to them as something that, you know, businesses should be involved with and interacting with brands as a whole. Right. Like just the different perception that they may have when it comes to, you know, how how do they how do they want to be, you know, talk to? Sure, sure. So I think one of the greatest things I've noticed or um, have been able to tangibly see is the fact that there's. A breakdown of institutions, um, that they're not engaging as much with um, traditional institutions that maybe generations before have known, hmm. um, but instead they're finding that community through the technology they're using. Um, if we think about Yelp um, and seeing where your other friends have been and where they're mm, going, yeah. um, if we think about Fitbit and seeing um, where, where are they walking, how much are they walking, <laughs> yeah. um, or even if we're talking about Headspace, a meditating app, um, how oh. many minutes have they spent on it, um, they're engaging in that community via the technology that they're using every day. Interesting. So each piece of new technology, like a Fitbit, you mentioned, that's a really cool thing. So that's something that you can do with your friends. It's a uh, it's something that tracks your fitness, mm-hmm. but it's social. Yeah, it's inherently social. And I know, uh, you know, my wife used to like get into Fitbit 
competitions with her friends. Mm-hmm. So over the weekend, they'd have step competitions. And yep. whoever walked the most would get bragging rights when she returned to the office on Monday. And <laughs> so I've seen that. I mean, that's that's cool to see that that is a Gen Z thing. And it, it's cool to see that trend's going to hold. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and the continuation of that is the fact that these brands have personalities. Um, you talk about them like it's your friend or it's your old church group or it's your softball league. Hmm. Um, they interact with you in the fact that they, they carry a personality. They talk to you on social media with a certain voice. Um, and the fact that when you reach out to them, they talk back at you um, with a personality that you can continually see consistent. Um, and then you can share that with people. You can talk about them like they're a friend. Even looking at brands that are really good at this online, Oreo, for example, like the Oreo Twitter account, Wendy's, Wendy's is, is great. great, right? Like they have this attitude about them and it's not just in their their customer facing marketing. It's in their every interaction that they have with their, you know, with their their customer. Yeah, I, I do. I have seen that. I've seen that trend uh, quite clearly where brands do develop that voice and they're they're fun. There's something that, you know, there's no reason for your burger restaurant to be snarky. But Wendy's <laughs> figured out that, hey, it you works. know, we can we can become something a little more. We can stick out in people's minds for the fact that we're a little clever. And, hey, we sell hamburgers. Come come try one. But the two don't have an obvious connection. And I think that's something where brands, when they are trying to reach out to Gen Z, it can be something that's not, uh, you know, obviously in your wheelhouse. But you can still develop that voice and develop that community that will draw more eyeballs to your product. Sure. Well, and you can find information anywhere. And it doesn't have to be on your specific website. The yeah. fact that information is touches away doesn't mean that you being informative is no longer something that they're looking for. They're looking for more of that connection with you, that personality, that friendship with your brand and that content. Um, because they're not just going to Google you to find out how to do something. Um, they'll Google anybody to find that. The reason they interact with you is because they find you engaging. Yeah, that's mm. awesome. If you look at, you know, we talked about Wendy's for a second. If you think about McDonald's and the shift that has happened, um, McDonald's used to be this young, fun, hip brand. They would use hip hop music in their ads, right? Like they're, they're, you know, trying to reach that, that millennial audience. But over, over time now, and I love McDonald's and Wendy's both. I'll take a burger no matter, you know, what <laughs> restaurant it's from here. Um, but, you know, if you look at over time, the shift in just like the, the social media presence and some of those things, uh, Wendy's has taken a much younger, um, edgier approach they have. to to the voice that they're using in some of those channels, and it shows, and it's and it becomes this conversational thing that you know relates with young people. Megan, would you say that uh, you know smartphones are still popular among Gen Zers? <laughs> Does anybody have a smartphone on campus? <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of that, is there? Oh, you know, just attached to everyone's hip, and they're looking at that more than looking at me as a teacher, but that's fine. <laughs> really? So if you were a business, you know, it, it's safe to say that if you don't have a mobile strategy today, uh, you probably need one? Yeah, you'll, you'll be obsolete soon, I can tell you that. <laughs> the thing when you think about mobile strategy, so, you know, Google is now prioritizing uh, mobile-optimized websites for search engine yeah. ranking now. So, like, if your website is outdated, like, I know that a website is such a, you know, a piece of tech that's been around since the, you know, early nineties and it's, it's, but it's still something that is incredibly, you know, important as your online storefront. And many brand. businesses still don't have it right. They don't have it right. And if it's not, you know, displaying correctly on mobile, regardless of the age of your consumer that you're targeting, like you're getting penalized in, in Google for that. And then take the mobile strategy beyond just a mobile optimized website and start looking at Facebook Messenger and start looking at text messaging. 
and start right. looking at uh, geofencing and mobile optimized ads and and on and on and maybe on. A, maybe a mobile game a mobile game if people are apps, spending yeah. that much time on their phone why not give them something to engage with I mean Megan you mentioned that uh, they want to engage with brands they want to feel like they're being drawn in by something a mobile game is something that can do that what do you what do you think are some of the top apps on a on a Gen Zers phone that they're that they're using on a daily basis oh shoot ah. Uh, I don't really have a good answer for that off the top of my head. No, it's okay. Okay. I don't either. <laughs> That's why I'm asking. Um, yeah. Oh. I mean, if you look at it, Facebook, it's safe to say that Gen Zers still have a Facebook profile. Sometimes you need a Facebook profile just to log into other you know, services that are out there, but they're probably not interacting with it as much as they would be Instagram or Snapchat or some of these other platforms. Right? Well, and the difference being it, we're, we've in them have become more induced to taking in content in small bite-sized pieces. Mm-hmm. We're not used to reading long articles or when people go on, can type more on uh, Facebook than they can on any other uh, social media. And so the way we take it in in these small bite-sized pieces is a lot more digestible, which goes back to your comment about websites. If your website feels too content-y, they're just going to move on because they don't have to read through it to find what they're looking for. Yeah, too much, too many words. Mark doesn't like words. hearing that there's when value, I say There's that. value in brevity. <laughs> oh, no, no. I, I like brevity. I'm not good at brevity, but I like <laughs> but it. you like it. Yeah, that's interesting. So what about from a teaching perspective on campus? Like, how is that? How do you think that education has changed over the last, you know, 10 years to start reaching a a younger audience, thinking through bite sized chunks for learning, too? Sure. And so a lot of it, like you said, with the um, one on one contact, um, you actually reach out to your um, advisor now through Mm -hmm. that type of uh, chat log. Um, You only meet when you actually you need to. So that's become a more user friendly, keeps you from having to actually go see your professor. Office hours. Yeah. Yeah. How awful. Man, yeah. um, and so that's one way that they're reaching out. Uh, but another way, uh, using simulations um, within the classroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's kind of like a case study, but you use dashboards, um, different informational to either make decisions or work through um, a potential study. Uh, and so being able to use that in real time um, and watch those results come back to you, as opposed to just reading it out of a text, that content um, has really bred a lot of problem solving skills that I don't think maybe we were able to hone in on before. That's pretty cool. Are you seeing a shift, do you think, in online learning versus in-classroom learning when it comes to people? I know that that's, that's kind of like a touchy subject that a lot of colleges don't really want to talk about. But right. like the the type of student and the way that they learn is, is changing, right? Oh, it definitely is. Um, and I think it's going to come down to the individual specifically. And everyone keeps talking about how you learn, uh, whether that's hands-on or whether you can read and interact with it that way. And so, um, no, that's definitely where we're moving. Everyone's looking at how do we get there next? Um, how do we compete? with the people who started there. You have these legacy institutions that that's a lot harder of a shift to make. Oh, yeah. Um, when you have especially this longstanding tenured faculty who are used hmm. to teaching in this format, how do they then change that um, and reach a student in a new way that they haven't done for since they've started for 30 years or so. Yeah, so, that's a great point. Yeah, um, but everyone's doing it. And it's kind of where you're looking to go and it's a competitive edge if you can offer both avenues. Yeah, that's cool. One of the things that I think is fascinating when you talk about language and kind of the shift of language, right? Mm -hmm. And Mark, I I love that you're involved in this conversation only because, you know, your background is in journalism. It's in, it's in writing. That's true. Um, and you know, words now they talk about, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words or whatever, but like you're looking at, you know, um, emojis, right? Like just the way that people communicate now 
is shifting. And Gen yeah. Zers love communicating through pictures, images, videos, that means you know, that type of memes, That's a, that yeah. type of that type of content. So I think that, you know, it changes when you're looking at how do you reach these people with a message that they're going to care about and that they're going to consume. It's probably not through a thousand word, you know, blog post. No. And actually, I have a quick radio anecdote to that sure. effect. So this is, uh, you know, this would have been, I don't know, a handful of years ago now. But I was I was kind of saddened to find that I would go out and write these big, long articles on like the five most historic buildings in Peoria, mm. and they would get no visitors at all. <laughs> and then somebody would write like, look at this picture of Miley Cyrus, like look at her haircut, and Boom. it would be a traffic explosion. <laughs> and so while that hurt me as like, a, man, why doesn't anyone want to read like all these thousands of words I've spilled about these old buildings? It was obvious even then that the the shift was happening, and it's it's even more more so happening today. Where you have some brands, major companies that can communicate with just an emoji. Yeah, they'll tweet out a couple of emojis. Yeah. To me, I'm like, where's your paragraph? But to them, <laughs> yeah. the emoji does the trick, and people yeah. people want that type of communication more and more, especially younger people. It's fascinating. How about esports? Are you familiar with what esports? Is I am not. So esports is this idea that, you know, in high school, right, you've got football teams and basketball teams. And now there are online gaming teams that are being formed in, in high schools. Yeah. And in fact, there's even a movie theater um, here locally to us in Peoria that is spinning up. One of their entire theaters is now dedicated to these esports. So it's like set up as an esports arena. Right. So people can come in and sit in the in the seating arena style. And you've got your players down in the front and you're watching what's going on on the screens. And so local high school teams are now forming esports. There's like an esports league. Right. So you think about like the middle I and I conference of, of sports in this area. Like now you're looking at some of these different high schools now are, are doing esports competitions because, you know, it's it is a talent and a skill. And it's something now that that's being oh, embraced yeah. starting at that high school level. And so imagine how that starts trickling into, you know, into college and into, you know, adult life as these as these students are growing up. Yeah, I know gamification was a buzzword a little while ago, but that is a manifestation of clearly people like to play games, like to be incentivized that way or then that manner. And so if you are a business that can offer something like that, you're you're probably best served to do it. Um, are you familiar with Twitch? At all. Yeah. Yeah. So like live streaming of video game playing. Right. Mm -hmm. And I can remember um, I the first time that I, I watched this, um, I have an employee of ours that is that's, you know, fairly young. I would classify him in that Gen Z um, uh, arena. And, you know, essentially he's watching somebody else play video games online. And I was like, this is really boring like why wouldn't you want to play the game yourself and um you know what i thought was interesting is like twitch is like one of the number one live streaming sites for for that generation and they're watching other people play video games and i started thinking about it and i was like well you know, I watch HGTV and I watch other people buy houses and decorate them. I guess you know, it's really no different. It's just no. a different it's just a different audience and a different thing that they're interested in. So it's just it's funny to think about, you know, ourselves and, you know, and my parents and their parents and and on and on. And just through the generations, a lot of things stay the same. The channels in which the communication happens is is kind of what is what shifts and changes. Yeah, that's a great point. 
So anything else to add that we should know about Gen Z? Uh, well, you need to know that they're coming and they're a large, large uh, audience that you're going to need to meet. So, yeah, they are. And connecting with them is going to be super important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, Mark, what's the 10 second takeaway? So the 10 second takeaway to this one is, as uh, Megan eloquently described earlier, you as a brand, you need to be able to, one, uh, tap into that idea of building a community with your customer base. You need to display some type of personality give people a reason to engage with you as a company, make them feel good about your interactions. And you need to make sure that you are adapting to the technological channels that Gen Z is on. Yeah. And Gen Z is different than millennials. Right. You can't drop everybody into one bucket and call it a day. Yeah, absolutely. Megan, thank you so much for being here. You're so welcome. I appreciate your insight. Megan Funky, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, <laughs> Megan. Oh, happy to be here. Yeah, join us again anytime you'd like. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about some sought after soft skills that are going to be needed in a world that's filled with artificial intelligence. It's one of those things that a lot of people don't think about, but the robots are coming and yeah. uh, it's going to take a different set of skills to interact with them. Yeah, so. they're coming, but they can't do everything. Yeah. And we'll talk more about that next. Yeah, you'll still have a job. We promise. Thanks for listening to Grow Up. For more information about the topics discussed in today's show, visit onefire.com slash grow up. This has been a One Fire production.